0: Get started today at try That's trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D dot
2: Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.
3: Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here tonight to talk about the offense from that Bengals game. Very forgettable game in a lot of ways for Ravens fans. There were some good things on offense, a few things even on defense that we went over on the show last night. Here to talk about the offense tonight is Kyle Barber. Kyle, how you doing? Doing well. How are you, Ken? No complaints. We haven't talked much since the, the good training camp stuff we did. And I really appreciated that. And I'm going to try and uh, get you for that again next season.
0: Oh, yeah, I'm all for it. that's that's one of the most fun things I gotta do out of training camp is is talk about you know the positives and negatives of this team. That's when all the excitement and the hope for the season, you know yeah. kind of is there until uh, unfortunately, like this season when the injuries just started piling up and became more abundant and and uh, COVID unfortunately took its grips with right. uh, Lamar Jackson right away. But I love talking about training camp. I think it's my most fun time of the season uh, for me personally.
3: I I definitely enjoy it and and the Ravens always look their deepest at that point. Uh I think every team that's probably true, but the Ravens' success in the preseason would tell you they actually are extraordinarily deep uh <laughs> and, and really have made it work. Uh you know, one of the things that, that we've had discussions with a few different people about is whether or not it's worth it to do the roller coaster method of franchise building or a levelized method which is really what the Ravens do. They accumulate their draft picks every year. They always make, you know, basically very good decisions at the at the highest levels in trying to value for the long term as opposed to making a play for the short term. A year like this and frankly like last year as well with with COVID hit, I think really reinforces the need to play the level game because there's so much imponderable bad luck you can run into. If you invest all your eggs in one basket, you might all of a sudden be completely out of resources for several years.
0: Yeah, I think that that's such that's a really good point. And I think my thoughts are that anything can happen any given year. And yes, you can stockpile talent for a singular season or maybe a two-year stretch. But what the Ravens have done is consistent success and they've allowed themselves opportunities just about every year to uh, mm-hmm. to make a play for a championship or for a couple of postseason victories, which every franchise would you know, be happy to settle for. You know, I, I'm good friends with some uh, Detroit Lions content creators over at Pride of Detroit. <laughs> yes, and, and, <laughs> and yeah, and we talk and I talk to them all the time. I'm like, man, like Ravens fans are really upset right now because uh, Lamar, you know, this or, or the Ravens that. And he's like, it's insane that the complaints you guys have is what we would value as the the greatest season of the last, you know, 10, 20 years. You know, they haven't won a playoff game and Next number of years. Meanwhile, the Ravens fans are upset when you know they don't they win a playoff game in one season, and uh, it, and the Ravens allow themselves opportunities every year to make that push. Are they the greatest rostered team uh, in terms of blue chip talent? Maybe not, but they definitely have enough talent to go all the way, uh, yeah. barring significant injury, like we are seeing this season. And in, in seasons prior, I believe 2007 and, and 2014 or a, a couple other instances.
3: Yeah, 20, 2014, they actually, they were right there. They were good enough to win it, and they just didn't in New England. That was unfortunate. But uh, but I agree, 2007, the secondary of dying men, I called it. And then this season comes along. And, you know, frankly, the game against the Bengals is the, is the archetypal one as being uh, just an unwatchable game in the secondary in terms of who the Ravens had left at cornerback. The Bengals exploited it as – any good team should in terms of always having 11 personnel on the field, really taking advantage of the Ravens weakness there. Um, but then if, you know, I, I take the Lions fans and I, I look at how empty that glass has been. Well, I say it's week 17. The Ravens are still fighting for a playoff spot. They've got to win two games. If they do, it's almost a sure thing that they make the playoffs. There, there are a couple combinations where they will not get in, but it's almost a sure thing. Uh, you know, I think if you look at this game individually, I think you say Josh Johnson. Looked good, at least on the opening drive. He made some mistakes after that, but that opening drive whistled him right down the field. No huddle offense, not these half field reads. It was full field reads, meaning he's he's from the pocket.
0: Yeah, I really liked the game plan that they entered in with Uh, quick, effective passes. Uh, They utilized the middle of the field frequently on slants and uh, against the pressure, which I was really impressed by. Uh, The third downs in the first half was something that I extremely loved with the situations and how they enacted Uh, on the first drive. And on the last drive, it's like this really awkward sandwich where you have like the most fresh, delicious bread. And then you had a little bit of mistakes in the inside there. But that first drive looked really good, had a third and eight slant pass to uh, Hollywood. He connected with uh, Rashad Bateman on third and goal, which is about a third and four. Uh, the next drives, unfortunately, weren't as successful. Uh, he, he had an aborted snap yep. you know, uh, on third and one, which would have been nice to have back. Uh, they had a third and five, and he threw it behind the sticks to Hollywood for a minus one. Uh, but then, uh, later on in that first half, third and twelve James Prochet gets one, goes for 16 mm-hmm. yards, third and 13 after they had a false Wallace. start on Hollywood. You know, Bengals sent six to dropped five, put them right about 10 yards in coverage, you know, gave them free release and and, and essentially stood at the first down marker and said, you got you're going to have to come across and you're going to have to beat us. And that's what Tylan Wallace did. He caught the ball after a quick pass from uh, from Josh Johnson. And he breaks two tackles and gains 18 yards. I was really impressed by that.
3: Yeah, Wallace. I, I liked what Wallace did in this game a lot. But one of the things coming out of North Carolina that was that was good about him is he's a very physical receiver and he plays bigger than what he is. And he, he had a very limited route tree that he played, but he's still he's you know he's six one or something I think, but but he, but, he, but he, he plays like he's six three. It seems like he just plays like a very big receiver. And I, you know the 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 physicality after the catch was really impressive on that eighteen yard play. I mean, it was not a sure first down. And, uh, you know, there were tacklers and he rolled over them for the, for the necessary yardage. What's even more
0: impressive is he's not actually six one; he's five eleven, according to the Ravens roster. So he plays even bigger than we uh, give him credit for, and and it was just a physical game by him. And uh, overall, I really I loved what I saw out of Josh Johnson—just quick and effective reads. The game plan was—it's not like it's simplified to just absolute basics. It was just a smart veteran quarterback who knew what was required of him, and a game plan from the offensive coordinator that you know. Made Made it not like it like i said not simplified and bone dry but hey here's something that we can be effective at and here's how we can attempt to score enough points to uh go through he threw for 300 yards and two touchdown passes and he only had the interception once the game was out of hand like it wasn't that he was this cause for uh you know the the Bengals' victory he was one of the reasons they had any shot in this game and that was something that's incredibly impressive from a quarterback that you know returned uh to a team after uh, numerous years uh, and uh played on 10 11 games notice that was an impressive display by Josh
3: Johnson. I I I got to apologize. I get I got Tylen Wallace too, uh, confused with the NC receiver because ah. he played at Oklahoma State and I'm trying to remember who the who the uh <laughs> NC receiver is but it'll come to me. Let's no. talk about the QB situation going forward because uh, some things interesting happened today that would tell me the Ravens believe they'll have one of Lamar or Huntley back this week. You know, they released Kenji Bahar. Uh, yeah, we watched training camp. It didn't really look like Kenji Bahar in very limited reps, obviously, was picking up the playbook. Had a lot of uh, very spoon-fed coaching on the sideline. Didn't appear like he was anything more than a drill camp arm, I would say.
0: Yeah, then, I would agree yeah. with that. Uh, the Ravens try to not have just uh, people there to throw. They want to, you know, fill out their entire roster and give everybody competition. Uh, that's something that uh, I've been, you know, I, I heard from uh, their special teams coordinator previously, uh, Jerry Rosberg. He said that they don't bring in guys just to bring in guys. They they have competition at every at every level and that's important to them, uh, be it special teams and throughout the entire roster. Kenji Bahar felt a little bit like that was not so much. Uh, He Mm -hmm. just didn't seem to be getting up to pace like the other guys
3: were. Right. They're definitely behind. But anyway, Huntley, I I would think if they only have one quarterback on the roster that's currently active and that's Johnson, uh, they need to have another for the game. It's not good. They're not going to go to Sam Cook to, to be a (laughs) quarterback. Although it might've been close between Cook and Bahar who would have been the appropriate guy. I'm sure they would have gone to Bahar. I'm I'm Mm -hmm. just kidding. But Huntley returning from covid I think will beg a minor quarterback controversy of whether Huntley or Johnson after this game is the more effective within the Ravens offense as it now is constituted. Uh, Huntley did perhaps by the scheme given to him or perhaps some by his own decision making was getting into a lot of half field read situations by rolling out where I think Johnson really did a better job from the pocket
0: it felt like the pass blocking was really effective for Johnson in this game and that could be me being biased by uh, him just getting the ball out super quickly and being effective yeah. you know and I think uh, that's what
3: it was by the way we're gonna get okay. to that
0: <laughs> that's totally fine yeah no I just I but I was really impressed by that but uh, the way that you know Huntley makes an effective uh, as an effective player in Lamar Jackson's absence I think uh, you gotta give the nod to him personally but I can, I can see how this could be a minor quarterback controversy because like we said Josh Johnson just threw for over 300 yards connected on two touchdown passes and as as i said the only time he got that interception was when the game was completely and totally out of hand and and uh, they didn't really have a shot of getting back into that unfortunately because uh, the defense had offered up too much uh uh
3: points the other way yeah i mean it could be also a case where you have coming off covid you know, Huntley's at 85 percent and Johnson's at 100 percent. That makes a decision that much tougher. But uh, the, the one guy who will not make the decision tough at this point is if Lamar returns <laughs> uh, for for all of the talk that has happened. And there's some ridiculous stuff out there. If you want to visit websites around town or whatnot about you know, there being a controver- quarterback controversy between Huntley and Lamar. I mean. Just look at the darn mesh plays and you see the biggest difference you'll ever see between quarterbacks there who are trying to run the same offense, have generally similar skill sets. Only Lamar leads, reads leverage like nobody else ever has. And he, he he reads the mesh points so well relative to anybody else. Uh, you know, th- there's just no comparison. And we saw we saw. Poor mesh reads from Johnson in this game. We saw poor mesh reads from Huntley in other games. Even though Huntley, he's he was decent running from the pocket, and Johnson mm-hmm. had one or two good runs from the pocket in this game. It's basically you know you you if you go to the mesh, you want your quarterback to not guess right. You want him to read right, and he you know Lamar does that, and and the other quarterbacks so far that I've seen really haven't. Yeah, that's a great point
0: there. Uh, just going over the mesh stuff, uh, Lamar reads it so effectively, and that's why there's so much talk about how long he holds onto the ball before yeah. he makes a decision, because that forces a defender into committing one way or another. And Lamar's speed, agility, and acceleration force defenders into into biting one way or another, because if they wait too long and they try to trap him and he finally does read one wrong, he has the uh, the physical talent to escape from situations that other people can't. Tyler Huntley is a very fast, agile and, and a player with a great acceleration. It's still not up to Lamar Jackson's level. And it's not because you don't, you don't have to knock one down to uh, appreciate the other. And the Lamar Jackson is truly just on another level in terms of his physical prowess. And that's something that we've known since he was in college at Louisville. He was just built different, you know, is what other people would call him as. And the mesh plays are the, biggest indicator of that and how he's able to perform uh compared to other talented players just like josh johnson is a talented player uh, just like tyler huntley is it's the effectiveness uh in, in the the physical skill set to go along with the intelligence in reading those plays yeah it's
3: it's um uh, uh it, it'd be interesting because i think with the ankle they probably are weighing how much of a how much of a difference is that going to make in terms of him, his ability to do this, I'm sure they're weighing a lot of things. I don't want to speculate on the injury because I really don't know the severity of the thing. Whether there's any other external, you know, additional diagnosis that goes with that beyond a a sprain or a bone bruise or all the other stuff we've heard, we we really don't know. There have always been secrets about quarterbacks.
0: I think just the the smallest of speculation here that I'll offer is Lamar Jackson's been out for two games, and this is a person who as a human being, just loves to play football. You sure. know, we know Lamar Jackson's spirit. We know how much he is passionate about this game. And I don't think it's an indication that he's sitting out. It's because this injury might be significant enough that's holding him you know, from playing a significantly important game, which was against the Cincinnati Bengals in a do or die kind of for the division crown, because if they right. want to have a shot at the division, they got to win both. And the Bengals, have, I believe, have to lose out now at this point. So that right. was they a big game for them to miss. Yeah,
3: yeah. exactly. And, and
0: for him to not be there was big.
3: It, it looked like they were working towards getting him back for this game with the other sacrifices they made. Um, it, it looked like it would be that. It also looked like. If once they got to the game, if there was any way they could get Tyler Huntley in particular to get him through that game and cobble together a win somehow, and boy, that was a, it was a Himalayan mountain to climb, uh, it would have given Lamar another week off against the Rams and he could have returned to the finale instead Uh, because they're going to have to win that Pittsburgh game no matter what, probably to win the division. So, you know, interesting set of circumstances. Let's move on and talk about the the scheme from this game. And, you know, we're going to talk about this probably less than we would talk about the scheme from other games, but I do have a few interesting things the Ravens and Roman are trying to patch over here. Uh, The biggest difference, aside from uh, Lamar, obviously, is not having Patrick Picard. That continues to force them to play very light relative to what they're used to doing, so they're not a power football team anymore. I'm not sure that would have helped them in this game, down three touchdowns and, you know, down 24 to seven pretty early.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. It wasn't the, like like you and I are going to be covering the offense. And it's, it's funny because the offense did some pretty significant work, especially for the players that that were absent and the players that were on the field. Uh, It didn't feel like the offense was to blame for a whole lot of uh, the, you know, the final score of this situation. But yes, there were absences and there still were losses. Yeah. Ricard's absence is, is, you know, something that they love to, he's a player that they love to utilize as a passer, as a blocker. Uh, even sometimes when he's carrying the football, uh, that's not so much, but he's a, an effective, you know, mobile offensive lineman at his, at his size and at his, at his speed and what they like to use him as. But he's also essentially this, you know, really great fullback that is able to catch passes out of the backfield, and make plays. Uh, he's been a pro bowl uh, fullback and, you know, his utilization in the lack of him right now is, is, you know, changing the scheme for the Ravens clearly.
3: All right. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, they used Murray at fullback in this game, at least two times that I saw, I, there may have been more. Uh, he they did so on that fourth and one play, where Murray actually carried the ball from the upback position. Uh, that obviously didn't work. Uh, they had no running back on eleven plays. That number keeps, keeps still keeps going up, and that may have been actually uh, more than that. It was at least eleven plays. And the reason I know that is if you count up the running back snaps and, and subtract out the two where they had two, you're you still are left with eleven, and it might have been more that they had two. So, it, it, looking at the uh, you know looking at that, that is a wildly different. Adapting Greg Roman to some crummy, crummy circumstances. I mean, as as bad as a lot of fans would paint the coordinator situation from this, it ain't about play calling, guys. It's strictly about on field talent at this point. It's not working out. There are some things that you know they they haven't optimized, but they've had to try different things uh, to make them work. And I, I'm I'm really this won't be remembered as Roman's greatest year or Harbaugh's or Martindale's for that matter, but they've all had to make adjustments and concessions to having a roster that is just incredibly depleted.
0: Yeah. You can see it by their effectiveness with the Josh Johnson on 10 days and no, no Patrick Ricard an offensive line that's been beat up and coming back and and guys are clearly playing through some, you know, some nicks and some bruises and injuries. Uh, they're they're down talent. They don't have Ricard. They didn't have Nick Boyle much either. You know he's mm-hmm. he's not nearly as effective right now just because he, he looks like he's still rehabbing something. That's all speculation, of course. But uh, they're they're modifying game plans. And trying to win with a with a roster as a whole, but on the offensive side that we 're discussing today uh, with a with a an offensive roster that just doesn 't have all of the resources that they were known for, being this power running football team that has big blockers up front you know and and they got their fullbacks their tight ends that are able to be up front as well and and be physical and then they also utilize you know talented running backs and lamar jackson they didn't have lamar jackson nor tyler huntley in this they're down to a, a 35 year old veteran as their starting quarterback and they still modified a game plan to uh try and put them up for the best amount of success that they could in a game like this
3: yeah it's uh, I, I really believe they are doing the best they can. By the way, I, I remember who the receiver is. It's Diami Brown who got who got uh, <laughs> drafted by the Redskins. Uh, so he's, he's having he's the having who? The, 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 yeah, sorry about it. The <laughs> Washington football team. Oh man, I'm never going to get over this. I'm too old to, to try and correct that. I know it's, it's a huge affront to everybody. Um, uh, extra inline players, something we've been talking about on a weekly basis here, and really ties into the Ricard comment a little more. Um, the Ravens use. Uh, A lot of tight ends, obviously, fullbacks and sixth offensive alignment. But they're down to one point thirty seven per play in this game. There are multiple reasons for this. Two weeks ago, it was a season low one point twenty two. But but there were have been as high as one point ninety six against the Chargers early in this year. When you play one point nine six of these jumbo players per year and you play one running back, effectively, you're committing to play only two receivers on the bulk of plays. 1.37 1.37 is giving you more wide receivers per play with a, with a lack of running backs. The Ravens actually went up to 2.76 wide receivers per play. Um, that was still less than the Bengals. It's the highest the Ravens got wow. this year, but it's still less than the Bengals who played 2.87. And, uh, you know, 11 teams that are just normally 11 personnel don't play the fullback. They generally have three guys they can always put on the field at, at, at wide receiver. And they do that a lot of downs, even though they may play some 12 as well.
0: I think that's representative of the Ravens commitment to getting this wide receiver room and you know, loaded up with talent. Now they have Rashad Bateman, Marquise Brown. They're mm-hmm. using their draft picks. They got James Prochet even being effective as a receiver. Devin Duvernay, when he was you know, he was out for this game, of course, but they like utilizing him as a as a third receiver. And they have made a serious commitment to figuring out wide receiver and getting uh, receiving talent as a whole. On the roster here for Lamar Jackson and trying to commit to being more offensively in line as opposed to uh, just keeping those runners in the in the big bodies up front.
3: Well, while I agree with you in terms of everything you said pretty much, that they've improved their receiver room, that they're trying to get some receivers checked out, all, all of that kind of stuff, it's the absence of Ricard which kind of forces their hand. And then being down 24-7 to in the game, never really getting closer, much closer than that after that. They got, I guess they got to 24-14, then it was 31-14. So they were down like 17 or 14 at about the closest they were the rest of the game. And you know, when, you, when, when that's the case, you got to throw So they're going to have more receivers on the field. And they took running backs off to get them there, which was appropriate.
0: Yeah, for sure. This feels like a a game that more exacerbates the the flames yeah. of this kind of situation. Yes, they have their receiver room filled out. Yes, they're down a little bit of talent. And in this game, of course, with the scoreline being what it was, it made those amplify just a little bit further on the on the spectrum there. But uh, overall, that's just it, it's exciting to see a commitment to something like this. Uh, it's not exciting to see the necessity for it so drastically right. like it was in this game.
3: Yeah, I think what what I really appreciate about it was the fact that they didn't feel the need to try and figure out who Sammy Watkins is as a receiver. Because frankly, who cares? He won't be a Raven next year. He might or might not be around for the playoffs. We certainly hope he can help the team get over the hump with, with the Rams and the Steelers, get into the playoffs, play a significant role in the playoffs. But that's going to be it for Sammy Watkins as a Raven. He's going somewhere else. I'm sure he's not particularly happy with how many targets he's gotten this year. And and, uh, he he hasn't been healthy all the time. We knew what we were getting when we bought Sammy Watkins. He's a guy who doesn't stay healthy all the time. Uh, And I think he'll probably be elsewhere playing this next year. So uh, it was good that they gave Prochet and Wallace, two guys who do figure in on the margin of the Wallace, uh, the margin of the Wallace, the margin of the (laughs) roster for next year, uh, you know, to to, to get some playing time and get some snaps in a game that, that, you know, there's actually significant things going on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I really liked what I saw out of uh, of Prochet, too, if you want to stop and talk about him just a little bit. Uh, New season high, career high in receiving yards, uh, 76 Mm -hmm. yards, I believe. Uh, Made some effective grabs. Good hands. Uh, You see him catching the ball away from his body. That was something that we saw all of training camp that you and I talked about endlessly on this show was just how great James Prochet was looking all throughout camp. And we got to see more of that in this game, and it was fun to experience. It was a little awkward that it's like he He's still connecting really well with these, you know, not with Lamar specifically, but with like Tyler Huntley or Josh Johnson or whoever it was uh, at training camp. But he looked effective. And it's also nice to see Tylen Wallace. You want to see these young guys develop. And that makes sense. Like you said, like, why have Sammy Watkins out there when you're two games you have two games left the game's a little bit out of hand already get these rookies and these younger guys some reps and work them towards next season already get them worked in for this next two game stretch and and they know the circumstances they know what's necessary and and what's going to be asked of them and you get them warmed up now as opposed to when it's crucial for them over the next two games you already have them you already know what their skill set is and you can see what they can offer for you in these final two games that are gonna be must wins
3: yeah they well they certainly are must wins the first one anyway uh the second one might become not a must win if if uh, things go wrong uh it, it, the one thing we've talked about a lot in recent weeks is just how many set and ship blockers the ravens are using and to start with a little note here, you know, the Bengals use primarily a four-man pass rush. So 33 out of 41 times they rushed only four. When they do that, the running back is usually green lit to leave the backfield if only when he determines that only four are coming and no one is blitzing. And so he gets a he gets to leak out quickly. Now there's still times where he could help. A struggling edge rusher who is getting beat, but he's he, he typically goes out to 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 be a, uh, a you know a shallow receiver at that point. Um, it, the Ravens used three set blockers and six chip blockers in this game. Let's talk about that a little bit. Three set blockers meant they only kept tight ends in or 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 a, a running back, and I think it was maybe a one and two. Uh, in in uh, of those, and they use six chip blockers the entire game. That is nothing compared to recent weeks. That's .22 per play, extremely low. Uh, you know, facing a couple Bengals edge rushers who had it going on with Hubbard and and Hendrickson. Hendrickson was he was it was not the usual good type of bad pressure that is allowed by Villanueva. The, the kind of mirroring his opponent and getting pushed back into the quarterback. It was too much of Hendrickson beating him around the corner. And, and that's the kind of time where you would really like to see more attention paid to him by additional eligible receivers used to set or chip.
0: Yeah. Hendrickson. I I was going to write something at the beginning of the season, talking about how every team in the AFC North went out and signed a a pass rusher on defense. Jadevian Clowney, Melvin Ingram, Trey Hendrickson, and Justin Houston. And I I spoke with some other other guys around the league and at SB Nation, you know, for their various respective sites. And I was like, which one of these guys seems to be real deal? Who do you think maybe got a bad contract? And uh, and and Hendrickson was like this dark horse guy that, of course, only the Bengals guys were you know, high on compared to others. A lot were high on Justin Houston. And, and it was like mm-hmm. Justin Houston, uh, Melvin Ingram, Clowney and Hendrickson for most of the list. And then Hendrickson was flipped, I believe, for the Bengals website. And he's looked like the most legitimate guy out there. And, you know, Melvin Ingram's already in Kansas City doing his thing. Mm -hmm. Justin houston has been playing effective for the Ravens. Mm -hmm. Genevieve Clowney's been off and on. But, like, Hendrickson for sure looks real deal. I believe he had, what, 11 sacks? You know, he's had at least a half sack in 11 straight games. He's been utterly dominant. Yeah, 14. Thank you very much. He's he's been a physical phenom. And this is a guy that you should be using more chip blocks on. Like you said, they didn't use them. They were not as uh, as interested in, in doing so. This kind of felt like a game that you'd consider utilizing it more, especially with, uh, the numbers just alone and the stats, uh, of what Trey Hendrickson's done this season. I
3: mean, I, yeah, the other thing is to tire the, the pass rusher down, even if he doesn't completely lose his effectiveness, you go to his rib cage enough times with a, with a back that, that they hate it. They absolutely hate it. In fact, they'd probably, a lot of them would like it completely ruled out of the game. Cause <laughs> you know, you got to use your hands. If you're using two blockers, you can't go to the rib cage with your shoulder pad or that kind of thing. But you know, it, it's a very bad position to be in when you're a 260 pound pass rusher, you have, and, and that's big for an edge rusher mm-hmm. and you have your hands up against, Against that left tackle trying to bull him, and all of a sudden, some two hundred and thirty pound running back comes in and plants his shoulder pad into your ribs. It's, it's very tiring; it makes you lose your breath quickly, and, and uh, it's something that uh, you know. I, I wish they would do more and do more effectively. The Ravens seem to use a type of, of chip block where a tight end will, will first meet the player out in space. And they'll effectively sequentially block the player, but the first one is just an attempt to like pinball him, and then the second block is independent. I like I like the the two blocks to arrive while the second block to arrive while while the tackle is already engaged, and and I think you get more value out of it that way. Of course, it it limits the routes more more, but. uh, uh, boy, it's just—they it, did not use much of it in this game. I know the four-man pass rush was was what it was, but the Bengals' edge rushers just destroyed the Ravens in this game, and, and we'll, we'll talk about a, lot, a little bit in the offensive line section coming up. All right, yeah, that sounds great. All right, the Ravens. Uh, one more thing about their about their scheme. They pulled only seven times in this game. They only had five blocks in level two. Um, that that's indicative of a team that let the game get out of hand early. Obviously, they they could pull more, and they could they they like to show more run action. But all that ended very quickly in the game. In fact, if I look at the score sheet, it's it's pretty much all up front in terms of when it happened. That first drive was three of Zeitler's five pulls, and about five of the seven total pulls. So you you, you saw it all. Happen happened early when the game was still in hand. Once it got out of hand, it, it becomes not a big point of deception to pull a guard to show run action when you're passing, might be passing or might be running. It's just, it's not as clever. As yeah, right you on.
0: know, like you said, the game got out of hand and it forced the Ravens to be one dimensional to keep up with uh, an offense that had scored on. I believe it's first eight drives and eight of ten or seven of nine, something like that. The only two drives that the the Bengals didn't score on were the last two where they had a missed field goal and then they knelt it to uh, right. kind of end the suffering there at the end. So, yeah, yeah this it forced them to uh, not even have the opportunity to be uh, uh, attempting to be deceptive. It, this was a, a rough game.
3: Was indeed. So move on to Johnson. He had seven ample time and space opportunities along 41 pass plays. It's only 17 percent. That gives you an idea of just how much pressure he's under. That's pressures within three seconds uh, are occurring. An ample time and space opportunity has three seconds and the ability to step into his throw. It's my definition. It's different from some of the other site definitions you'll see, which often go off a two and a half second pressure standard, uh, which frankly misses a lot of the pressure that Villanueva allows. So uh, you know, we we if you want a system that's going to be nice to Villanova, look at PFF. If you if you want a system that's going to be mean to them, it's mine. (laughs) Uh, It's just it's really just that simple. Uh, They had 19 pressure events within three seconds in total. They had 15 other times where the ball was out quickly. So Johnson, at least had a good percentage uh, of ball out quickly, 15 out of 41, uh, that would, uh, you know, he, he definitely did some positive things to try and alleviate a bad situation. And, and, and that was where I think a lot of his success came. It wasn't really under pressure uh, at, at all
0: yeah like i said on those third downs that i was mentioning uh previously it was because he was getting the ball out quick i was i was watching a little bit of film before we did the show today and and i'd press play right when the uh the the ticker would be on a second and you'd see the Mm -hmm. snap coming and i and i would do one to two seconds or one to three seconds and see when the ball got out and that's what you're like what you're talking about he was getting the ball very quickly to try and alleviate the pressure here and there weren't many times that when i was watching and and watched the three seconds go by on that little ticker that he was still standing in the pocket clean and stepping up to throw Uh, the, the time was, was very little and far between. Mm Mm-hmm.
3: Yep. All right. Uh, uh, the other thing we've been seeing a little bit more of, and this is really a Huntley thing big time. I thought it was a Johnson thing as well in this game are front to back reads. And some of that is is the scheme of the play that they're setting up a lot of these slants and a lot of these short swing passes that go out immediately in that direction. Or they're or they're setting up, you know, uh, curl patterns and others that, uh, that come back to the quarterback, but come back quickly um they they or shallow crosses be another good example of this but they're they're not really utilizing back to front reads which means they're not really using deep to shallow maybe to make it more clear the closest they come is with mark andrews where they'll do an andrews to front to back read and that's often andrews is trying to um go to a space where the defense is not going to be and they will throw up the ball a little further there and the, and the 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 both of the Ravens' backup quarterbacks in these last few weeks have seemed to have confidence in that.
0: Uh, th- that actually brings a question for me for you: Is you know we've talked? There's been so much talk about Cover Zero and the, mm-hmm. and what defenses have been sending in. Uh, with that being uh, the the primary discussion, does that force a? a this the coordinator and force this team to make these reads front to back instead of back to front just because the pressure's mounting so quickly?
3: Yeah, I, I it's I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's specific to cover zero. So let's just okay. talk about the Bengals because they're just a plain vanilla four-man pass rush most of the time. They mm-hmm. very rarely spice it up. And yet they're very effective. Um, the reason it's it's still a problem is that that you know their four guys have a, then an advantage by being able to set up a little wider uh, because they have to stretch the line of scrimmage across more uh, against the um, uh, uh, outs- against the tackles and the tackles are the weakness of the Ravens defensive line right now. sorry, offensive line. The interior guys are blocking. Okay. In, 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 in pass protection, Bozeman and Zeitler are, are both very good. And Cleveland, I think is okay. Powers mm-hmm. certainly before him was okay. So, but, but the tackles are where the problems are really occurring. And McCary, as, as much as he has worked hard at that position is just okay as a pass blocker. That's, all, that's really all he is. And Villanueva is terrible. And, okay. and that's usually the, the other team's best pass blocker we're seeing over on that side. And by the way, no slight on McCary. I mean, what, what he's doing to fight to play that position, I mean, he shouldn't have to play right tackle. He should be playing somewhere on the interior and probably playing a lot better. Uh, but, you know, the Ravens in their need had to, had to turn to him on this, and he was their best alternative, and he's proved it so with mm-hmm. his play. So I'm not, I'm not berating the guy. I just think, you know, the Ravens have better options at offensive tackle. And they better find them for next season, you know, when, <laughs> yeah. when, and when, it, uh, when the time comes. Uh, other things about Johnson I wanted to talk about. Uh, we talked about the mesh point problems, the costly fumbles on third down. So he had one fumble, obviously, that was it was a, a boarded snap, but he kind of took his eyes off the ball. They talked about that on the, a the broadcast a little. The other one, he actually got sacked. Uh, the ball got knocked out of his hands. I, for the longest time, I couldn't even tell if it was Hubbard or Hendrickson who did it. Mm-hmm. So I split the responsibility for the play evenly between McCary and and Villanueva, who'd given up the pressure on both sides. And uh, that should have been a sack, meaning um, if anybody else had picked up the football and advanced it, it would have been a sack. If If... Uh the fact that Johnson picked up his own fumble and advanced it past the line of scrimmage still didn't give the Ravens a first down. It's effectively a sack. So I, I treat it as a sack in my scoring. I just like, warning people about that up front. If you don't like it, give give Villanueva and uh, McCary an extra three points and uh, you can calculate <laughs> it for that.
0: <laughs> I thought that was yeah. such an interesting display I know that like it, yeah. numbers wise it, it is what it is but like man to watch a guy like lose the football completely scoop it up and like try to regain was like j- just as an entertainment value I enjoyed that play just from like oh no he lost it here it goes oh no he's got it he's going ahead what's going on now it was it was just an entertaining thing that i, I truly enjoyed but I get but the, the numbers side I can understand some as well <laughs> S-
3: similar play last year with Tyree Phillips picking out- the football. And I thought it was, wasn't it like third and 40 or something? It was third and forever. It was yeah,
0: It was like a and, third and 12 or something.
3: And somehow he goes, he goes rumbling, stumbling on that one. We'll have, we'll have to find that play and get the yardage on that. Because I, I think, I think, it, I think it might've still been the short of the first down, even at the end of that. Like he ran for 22 yards and it was still short. So it, it might've was been third like seven.
0: I just, I just,
3: I just I already it found up. it. I, I had to, I
0: was like, man, this thing was
3: too wild. That's was. So he did make a first down on that play
0: he got a first down yeah he trucked miles jack on that play and he scooped it up at like the eight yard line the, f- the line of scrimmage was at the 16 mm-hmm. and he made it all the way to the 29 like it was it was he, like he made like a 22 yard run out of a third and seven because he scooped it up at the nine
3: when it was strip sacked and got it all the way to like the 29 which is just wild go. Now, that's good. I'm, I'm glad to have my memory corrected on that because sometimes, I, you know, I, 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 it, if it became any more ingrained, then I'd be telling that story for years in a similar way, and I'd have it wrong, and I appreciate having that right. It was essentially
0: talk, a 22-yard gain, so it works out well. You weren't totally you weren't wrong. It's just you weren't exactly right. It could be two step. versions of the story.
3: Appreciate <laughs> the that's, – that's the consultant way of talking, as I say. You know, it's, it's like, yes. oh, you were that close. You were so close. You, were, you, you had all this right, the 22 yards. <laughs> it was just everything else that was wrong. So that's fine. Other than all uh, the wrong uh, things, man. you were yes. perfect, man. Yes. <laughs> Consultants can make you feel so good doing that. Believe me. Uh, let's let's talk offensive line. We'll, we'll talk about Villanueva first because hey, we want to start with the bad news. His second worst game of the season immediately uh, really follows his best. He, he had his first. He had an A minus last week. It was his first of the season that was above a C plus. Um, five pressures uh, that was actually contributions to parts of six with so four plus two halves contributions to three individual quarterback hits a full sack. This other half sack that wasn't, as I just discussed, it was half him, half McCary seven missed blocks. Those are all losses at the line of scrimmage. By the way, divide missed divide blocks into losses at the line of scrimmage and losses say in level two or while pulling, which tend to be not as severe. So mm-hmm. you would you would if if you go to level two and can't find a block L2NB on my score sheet, that's mm-hmm. one of the, the, the non-severe missed blocks that you can you can have. But it's it's really bad when you're beaten outside, beaten inside, bold. Uh, and that's the notation that's being made by you every, on every play on your missed blocks. That's that's a bad thing. And unfortunately, Illinois, have got went seven for seven on those.
0: Yeah that it, it wasn't a pretty game by uh, Villanueva. uh I'll do the consultant speak here where you know he's definitely played better and uh and it, it just you know going up against Trey Hendrickson isn't going to be an easy task like we mm-hmm. spoke about he's a very talented you know uh edge rusher he's he's it's racking up the numbers he's pad you know he looked like he was a one hit wonder with the saints, and they're like, oh man, all of a sudden this guy got hot and he's really good now and uh and they paid him a bunch of money no he he replicated his numbers from the previous season and he's he's playing out of his mind just like he was uh you know last year and he he's playing up to the contract the the uh Cincinnati Bengals gave him this was a game that you needed to uh help him out a little bit more, but it's right. also sacrificing an extra receiver for that running back as you and I spoke about just earlier on is uh, that's the debate there. Like, do you have somebody to chip block that guy or do you just get an extra receiver, extra pass catcher to try and make a play to limit that guy's effectiveness by getting the ball forward or do you protect him? So then we can maybe get the ball. It's, it's that debate that goes on and you're not sure which decision's right, which one's wrong. and, And, and so
3: be it. By the way, I just looked up Trey Hendrickson. It is 11 games in a row. He's had at least half a sack. So you're right on that one too. Weeks 5 through 15. But uh, thanks for having that right. Appreciate you making me go back and check it there. (laughs) Um, Let's talk about Cleveland because Mm -hmm. I thought that uh, his game was okay. It wasn't great. Two and a half pressures, half a quarterback hit, uh, four misses that were all losses at the line of scrimmage. So it wasn't like he was immune to getting beat. He only got to pull once in this game. Uh, that, that was obviously part of a general problem. Zeidler did most of the pulling from, from right to left. Uh, C overall actually at the very bottom end of the C range as I score it. So, uh, I, I see good things from him on a play by play basis. He plays, he plays physically. The Ravens just didn't get a chance to see him make a lot of push in the run game, which is what I think they'd really like. Uh, his, his processing in the pass game is, is I, think it could still be better he's last week he looked probably a little better to me in this regard but what i'm talking about is his ability when in a four-man uh front to set up his his uh defensive tackle usually a one tech with bozeman so he can move over and help to the left against the uh against the edge rusher uh he did better in previous games than he, than he did in this one
0: gotcha uh, you mentioned that he only polled once uh, I had a question for you on that yep. Uh is is Cleveland effective as a polling player do you like what you see from him so far is there things that he needs to work on uh,
3: that you've seen so far in his game there's there's always things um he was seven for seven last week I had a guy on the show uh, who's was very knowledgeable who did not like one of the pulls he, he made I, I where he basically made a made a hit, made a block in the backfield, and then Villanueva ran into him behind him on a counterplay with two, two pulling. Um, that I, I To me, that was just a messed up situation when Cleveland got there. Cleveland cleaned it up as best he could with a block. Uh, I think he's been pretty good pulling. Here's what I'll say. If Bradley Bozeman can learn to be an elite level puller, which he did, Bradley Bozeman is tremendously less athletically gifted than Ben Cleveland. Ben Cleveland is not only bigger, he's a lot quicker. You can talk about his feet and Frankenstein feet all this he's he's he's, he's quicker in every split you can imagine. And that includes all the three cone and agility drills and all that stuff. And he's he's a quicker Human being, And mm-hmm. I think he's going to be fine in that regard. And, and once we see Bradley Bozeman really um, develop that first step, get out from from the line at the at the highest possible level with that first step, I think we're going to see an elite guy who will really steamroll some people with a with a full head of steam. That's
0: that brings me into another question that I'm curious about with uh, this offense feels like it, at the beginning of the season, it was built for somebody like Ben Cleveland mm-hmm. to become a part of this team. Big physical, You know, we've seen this guy at training camp. He's a massive specimen. He's, yep. Yeah, yeah, truly. And so is this a is this just the product of the the offensive scheme? Not being capable to adhere to his skills because of the absences is that something because you see J.K. Yeah, because the running backs are all gone and they're down talent. Is that just kind of you know Cleveland suffering a little bit because the scheme had to change due to losses?
3: Okay, so multitude of problems here. First of all, right. they they gave the job to Powers instead of Cleveland. Then Cleveland mm-hmm. got hurt, and even though Cleveland's getting some playing time, he's getting a nice split of playing time where he was in the forty percent range in terms of snaps. uh the, That was something to learn on. But I don't think he deserved the Orlando Brown treatment. I think you just go ahead and stick him in day one and and hope it works. And then you've got Powers as a as an outstanding backup on the interior line. Now. They may have had other thoughts. they actually started Phillips to to start the year. That was a terrible idea on multiple levels obviously he didn't he didn't work out as well as guard, but he also wasn't the tackle they hoped he'd be but if even even if you do that, they got him hurt in the first game where he was the option backup option to tackle, and then all of a sudden they didn't have it when they also had Stanley not able to go so bad set of circumstances for that okay then then we get to the point where Cleveland actually gets playing time, then he gets hurt. Mm-hmm. And so he misses, you know, several, several weeks for that. I don't know how many it was, three, four five weeks he missed. He mm-hmm. came back and um, he then didn't get back to half playing time because Powers was playing well. OK, all this time, of course, the Ravens aren't really running the football as much because they don't have running backs. And they also uh, then take Lamar off the field, which, you know, with the, with the injury and then Cleveland gets back at that point. And, you know, now it doesn't matter anymore because you can't really get help from a player like Cleveland when your quarterbacks can't really use the mesh point the way Lamar did. So it's just it's been a series of really unfortunate events for Ben Cleveland to not play a significant role but I think he'll he'll go to camp and I think he'll be the Ravens starter uh probably at left guard this next year that's what I would expect
0: that makes a lot of sense there. And and I like how you're like, it's, it's a multiple multitude of reasons because, yeah. oh, it's not just black and white, Ken? You <laughs> just can't find one singular reason and then everything's fixed? Really? Hmm. <laughs> well,
3: it's just, it's one of these things. You know, I follow the offensive lines. So it matters more to me, I think, than it matters to other people. But the, oh, but I'm the just, Ben Cleveland uh, situation is a real bummer. I mean, it's, it's yeah. just, it's uh. Uh, <laughs> okay, so go look will we'll get to you Bozeman uh, <laughs> a third of a quarterback hit was his only negative event he's he's been playing very well and frankly he's earned himself a lot of money i think he he, he might get a uh, very lucrative contract from some team and I, I, I he's one of the players i'm just i'm sick about the ravens not signing uh, during the year and they had three guys who were in this group that they really needed to think about re-signing Elliot, who got hurt, and now the Ravens could probably get cheap, so they might they might have done themselves a favor by not making that signing. But they they you know they they won't save a ton of money on that. Cleveland, a guy. I, I, sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, Bozeman, a guy who will make uh, now it seems like a lot of money. And now Averett, who I really don't know anymore. He was set to make a lot of money if he mm-hmm. if he had played out the season, he would have done very well. Now this rib injury throws things into question, and I do, I don't know exactly where he fits in. But he, unfortunately, I think the Ravens probably will make him an offer. And he'll probably get a better offer somewhere else.
0: Uh, with that do? You, are you referencing Bozeman
3: or Averett? Averett, okay, in, yeah. in, in Bozeman's case, they'll definitely make him an offer. They'll oh, give him yeah. a baseline offer, and and the reason, why, by the way, the reason they do that. I mean, it, I know you know this, Kyle, but it's because it's, it's fairly obvious. But in terms of compensation picks. They, they want to set a minimum for what they want that guy to make. So they'll give him a contract that's a little undervalued uh, for what he is. And the, and the player knows that and sometimes even resents it in some slight way. But they can also use it to leverage. And it's a starting point for their negotiations with Tampa Bay, if you're Ryan Jensen or other teams. And so even though the Ravens might have offered him five or $6 million a year, that didn't really seem like what he thought he was worth. Mm-hmm. You know, he was able to say, OK, I, I got three teams interested. We're starting at $6 million. Let me Let me tell you what you got kind of thing. Let me let yeah. me see what hear what you got. Yeah, no doubt about it.
0: Uh, on on the Bozeman thing, uh, I watched him uh, get a second level block in, in the first half on a, on a run against with, with Devonta Freeman. I think it was like second and five. And that was a specific play that I was, you know, that's something he's done all season is just make effective plays and make the right reads. Uh, mm-hmm. But watching him just, you know, snap the ball, get that first block, help out Cleveland, and yep. then just seal that edge, just right off to the left side, find the closest guy and just create a wall of bodies for Freeman to just run past and have a clear lane on the left side. Cause he's got Bozeman as a standing wall right beside him. I thought that was one of the best plays that I could see from him is, and uh, you know, he makes great block pass blocks. He makes great blocks. That was just one of my
3: favorite plays that I saw at a Bozeman. Yeah. But Bozeman is, has become a really good center and, and a, those combination blocks centers in general and guards for that matter, live off them. They live off their ability to be part of that double team off, off number two, go code your the guy you're with give him that hip check that word whatever it is to make that other guy move to level two the quicker you can get your block secured so your your partner can go to level two and sometimes he goes on his own but you know you you're as the quicker you can do that the more effective your run game is going to be about getting those second level defenders uh, blocked you know that's how you get linebackers uh, stood up in the middle of the field and, and get the real big 10, 12 15 yard plays that get stopped by safeties because you you you, uh, you get that taken care of but the Ravens of 2019 and 2020 that's bread and butter of their running game is being able to take care of business in the middle of the field with double teams that end up being combination blocks into level two
0: I think that's just like a uh, from from a more of a fan perspective and and uh, not so much an analytical or a math f- formula like you like you have and in, in a huge film stuff I think just like my thought process on it and in the video game kind of mindset, I think, is like just give your guys. Your running back, you know, your ball carriers, the one on one opportunity with not the big, sturdy linebackers, oh, yeah. but the safeties, because that's how you get it in video games. You're like, all right, if everybody, you know, if you could just give me a one on one opportunity, you know, if I can run this guy out to the right, left, up the middle, and just get the one on one opportunity, the full head of steam, that's where your most effective plays were. And that's like what you were saying in 2019, 2020. That's what the Ravens were capable of doing is getting that second level blocker, just putting a hat on a hat with, with, your your offensive lineman or with, full, you know, Patrick Card with Nick Boyle and and just your tight ends, allowing the opportunity to let your talented running backs, which the Ravens do have, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in those previous years, uh, make plays because they have the effectiveness of doing so. And that's what Bozeman is really good at.
3: Yeah. Point of first contact beyond the line of scrimmage. Absolutely critical. You do not want to get your running back touched by a defensive lineman. Defensive lineman rarely miss tackles. They're too big. They're too strong. They have too much weight. They spend too much time in the weight room. Mm. And if if you can get that effective double team at the line of scrimmage that clears a gap for them to run it, even just getting to the point where just a linebacker gets a hand on them is usually a nice even matchup for the bigger backs in this league. I mean, Gus Edwards certainly you could, could you know go head on head with any any linebacker in the league effectively. Uh, and then it's an unbelievable matchup if you get him a level three and get him matched up against a safety or a corner. So uh, yeah, I I agree, Collie, I mean, you're you're not you're not wrong. I think that video game uh viewpoint of it is it may not be the way the players think of it, but it's yeah. it's exactly the kind of matchup that they want, that they seek out.
0: No doubt about it. All right, tell me, so tell me some stuff about Zeitler.
3: Okay, he had a rare, poor game here. Two pressures in the game, two plus two times a half. A uh, third of a quarterback hit. Uh, had uh, an offensive holding call, five out of five on pulls. A D game for him, and, and he had a long stretch of A and B games um, this season before he's had a game that I think was a C- minus last week and a D this week. So a little bit tough these last couple of weeks. Uh, he's still been the glue that's been holding the offensive line together during a very difficult season.
0: Yeah, he got a bunch of uh, praise recently on social media for uh, his effectiveness as a blocker, as a pass blocker, a run blocker, and uh, it's, it's of course as soon as like the praise rolls in and like people yep. are like, oh, is that guy? <laughs> is that somebody I should tune into? Maybe watch a little bit of uh, you know a couple snaps on when I'm not staring at, at wide receivers in the pass game and the quarterback. Like, is that somebody I should focus in? Of course, that's when he has like a lesser talented game than than he's known yeah. for. I was really frustrated by that because I was like, I'm gonna watch some Kevin Zeitler on this. Like, I haven't given him as much uh, uh, uh attention as he deserves because you know of course myself like every Ravens fan was a big Marshall Yonda fan and we would sure. tune into the right guard that was something that I loved to watch when Marshall Yonda was here and like I should have been giving Kevin Zeidler more of that attention uh this season and of course as soon as I start to do it is when he has uh, uh, you know an uncharacteristic game from him
3: Right. I, th- I think he's an obvious keeper for next year. Uh, he went through from the from the Denver game in week four through the Cleveland game in week 12. He had an A or a B every single week. Since then, starting with Pittsburgh, C minus A, C, D. So good or, you know, okay, but not great. Now, I will say there's a lot of individual variation from game to game, but it's the great offensive linemen, and particular great Ravens right guards named Yanda and Zeitler, who, who have not varied very much from game to game in terms of their performance. Even like Bozeman is having a good year and he's had a bunch of A's, but he's also had a couple of D's and a couple of F's and, and he's been in the C's once. Um it's it's you know it's Zeitler is very unusual in his consistency and uh and that's really what's made him so valuable as Ravens offensive line. They can't they can't be without him. I mean he's making the calls at at the line too you see him fanny paddling most of the time uh Bozeman to 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 <laughs> initiate the snap.
0: Yeah, he's been an effective player. I've really liked to watch him. Uh, when I. I just hope that he can get more consistent when I key in on him more now.
3: <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. We'll continue this and we'll, we'll, we'll tie it up pretty quickly here. Uh, McCarey battled Sam Hutter, Sam Hulbert in this game pretty much to a draw, as I would see it. Two and a half pressures allowed in this game. Uh, that's one plus three times a half. Two-thirds of a quarterback hit. That half sack on the non-official sack. So, if you really wanted to be the, the McCarey lover, and that's fine. Give him three more points and move him up to the top of the C-range instead of kind of near, near the bottom of the C-range. And uh, th- that would be fine. So I'd, I'd understand if people thought that way about it. Uh, Cologne, five blocks, one pressure on the final series. Uh, that, that last play was his only really bad one, if you want to go back and look at that. Jared Jones-Smith came in. By the way, don't know if you've heard anything about this around the castle, but McCarry looked like he took a very bad hit on the third to last play of the game. He got kind of crunched into an awkward position. I haven't heard anything from an injury perspective. Presumably we will tomorrow uh, from from playing, but Jared Jones-Smith came in to replace him immediately at, after that point, played the last two snaps, made both his blocks.
0: I have not heard anything on that. Uh, th- that hasn't been a question, I don't believe, during the, the, the Monday presser, which I attended on Zoom. Um, we'll definitely see it on the injury report if we don't see it uh, from – from tweets via practice uh,
3: mm-hmm. tomorrow. Yeah. All right. Well, look, let's talk about skill position players. You're the guest. Go first. Bring up a, anybody you'd like to talk about, and we'll alternate until we're done.
0: You know, I'm going to take the easy one here and the most fun one. Mark Andrews, absolute blast to watch this guy play football. Uh, got to be the best tight end in the league at this point. You know, he's a he's an absolute phenom. Uh, over the past three games, he's got 29 of 34 targets. That's 376 yards and four touchdowns. And he's done it with Lamar Jackson, Tyler Huntley, and Josh Johnson as his quarterbacks in that. Uh, it just – his effectiveness is demonstrated not – by like, oh, he's being targeted more by, by Tyler Huntley and Josh Johnson than he was with Lamar. No, he's he's being <laughs> the guy that they need to rely on in this situation. That's your blue chip player. Yes, the Ravens have other talents in Hollywood Brown and Rashad Bateman and they get their respect as they've deserved it. But there's a reason that Mark Andrews is seeked out by Lamar Jackson since they were drafted at the same time and all the way through to this season here in 2021 where he's – you know, broken the record for most receiving yards in a single season for, in, in franchise history. He's effectiveness, his effectiveness as a player is, is undeniable. Uh, not just from a Ravens fandom perspective, but like as, as league wide, it's exciting to watch him play football. He's, he, he's turned into the best tight end in the league and arguably the most talented tight end in franchise history. Uh, as I, he don't, creeps, I don't think as he really creeps closer to, to, yeah, to Todd. Eaton. Yeah.
3: Todd Heap was a good player for a long time and Todd Heap was one of the better tight ends in the NFL. But I don't think there was ever a time where Todd Heap was clearly the best tight end in the NFL. And that's what Andrews Mm -hmm. is right now. The the 34 passes for 376 is 11.1 yards per target. That's outrageous. And it (laughs) it has brought him back from kind of a sagging season. In terms of where he was, he wasn't where I, you know, I would have wanted him in terms of yards per target. He was early. And then he had a very big down point in the middle of the season where a lot of the passes he was caught was short, were short. Um, and now he's back up to nine yards a target now for the, for the year, which is terrific. Uh, that's, that's exactly what you want out of your tight end. Uh, the Ravens had very few players who've ever who've ever topped ten yards per target in a season. I believe they may have had it may have happened three or four times. But Andrews' rookie year is actually the all time record now for the Ravens at eleven point oh four yards per target. So uh, he's he's a special cat, and and throwing to an open spot has been fun to watch, the, and and how much they trust him to go get the football. That we saw it on the touchdown a couple of weeks ago. We saw it on the on the touchdown this week you know, throwing the ball to the goal line in fairly a desperate situation. It was good that, you know, you have a quarterback who's on the field who hasn't really worked with with Andrews that much, who still understands, I can trust that guy to go get the football. I'm just going to put it right there where I know the <laughs> defender can't get it. And and that'll be good. So uh lots of lots of positive things to say about him. I'll I'll pick a different player. We'll keep it continue on here. Um the guy I'm a little bit worried about is Hollywood Brown right now. He is not getting the deep targets he has been getting the last two games he's had twenty three targets for I believe eighty seven yards which is less than four yards per target completely unacceptable obviously for a wide receiver that's you know let me put a let me put as bad a spin as I can on this even though they're not similar players it's. Uh, um, now I'm forgetting. Des Bryant territory. <laughs> so you don't you don't want that. You don't you don't want the and, and the the problem is he's not getting the deep targets he did with Lamar. And that's obviously the problem with the offense is Lamar is such a good play extender and space creator that a Huntley you know, gives you a little bit of that. Johnson may give you a little bit of that, but doesn't really leave the pocket as much. Uh, you, you really want the play, the ultimate play extender, back in the lineup to give to give Brown some of those deeper shots.
0: Yeah, you can see it from the beginning of the season to where he is now that the the yards per target is is drastically plummeted. Uh, four out of five times in uh, the the first five weeks of the NFL season, he had a uh, yards per target above eleven yards, mm-hmm. and now uh, he hasn't had one of those, I believe, since week six because you know the I, I assume the pressure that's been created by uh defenses have maybe thrown off the uh, the offense a little bit uh the offensive line hasn't been able to hold up as well but you've still got to be able to manufacture those right. kinds of plays uh to to have an opportunity at a big shot you need like you need the ability or you need to try and afford the ability to to go deep and and utilize your one of your most effective playmakers at his most effective uh, talent and, and skill, and that's getting Hollywood Brown deep because that's what he was being utilized for, and that's when he was scoring more touchdowns. Uh, and the last time he, he you know he's been in the end zone was Week Seven. He had one, mm-hmm. two, I believe. Three he had 5 in the first 5 weeks you know he was on a, a dominant pace an unsustainable pace but still dominant and, and to not have him being utilized as effectively down the stretch here uh is is an issue that uh hopefully the ravens can resolve with these last two games especially against you know with the circumstances that we've mentioned uh so far this season all right your turn for another player uh another player i <sighs> I think we could talk about Devonta Freeman. Um, It wasn't like he didn't have a great game. Obviously, the run game was was lacking as we saw. And I just wasn't impressed by... The running game as a whole, because the blocking wasn't always there. But even even with poor, poor blocking, you hope to see some burst. You hope to see some some skilled execution there. And and it just wasn't effective. Uh, I, I just see a lack of you can just see the lack of ability. In in the, the current crop of running backs as compared to what the expectations were at the beginning of the season. Right. I keep going back to that because I remember watching a training camp with you and everybody else and all the fans that were sitting in those stands uh, watching what a talented group they had there with with J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards and the expectations of. these guys are going to go for 1200 plus yards you know even when jk dobbins went down i was like giving gus edwards this many carries is a scary thing for the nfl um there was way back in the day and the comparison isn't to the skill level but i want to put a little bit of a story behind this is when Thurman Thomas was in college, they, uh, I think it was Oklahoma state was where he went to to college. I might be wrong on on the, on the college, but uh, a, a a certain team was facing against them. And they're like, whatever you do, don't injure Thurman Thomas because the guy behind him is even better. That guy was Barry Sanders and I'm not equating Gus to Barry and I'm not equating JK to Thurman Thomas. That's not what the story is. It's like, Hey, you guys messed up because you don't get J.K. Dobbins anymore, who's the fast flight, uh, you know, speedster. Instead, you got to go up against a physical 260-pound back who thrives in physicality, and he's going to hurt you guys as much as you attempt to hurt him. And giving Gus Edwards that many carries was really an exciting thing. And, and to watch Devonta Freeman on the field not have the the ability of, of you know, a young J.K. Dobbins, it's just uh, not as exciting football,
3: I would right. say. It's... it's it's I've said this so many times on the show, like I, I know the, the listeners can can do This is a number seven now, but the, the Ravens really did not benefit. They, they got hurt by the fact that the scrap heap was so thin this year because of covid and the, and the draft being thin, particularly on small school running backs. Why is this extra bad for the Ravens? Well, the Ravens have a very, you know, deep scouting of small schools. That's where DaCosta came from. It was really a lot of his infrastructure that was built that way. And they, they have a better sense of who these good good backs are from the small schools. And they also have probably a good, a good sense to compare those guys to the big school backs who get left out of rosters a lot of the time. And in a normal year, there would be another 10 of these guys, if not more, that would be legitimate – you know, starter level talent in the NFL sitting on somebody's practice squad that the Ravens would figure it out and they'd say, OK, we want that guy. You know, if it's if it's Collins a few years ago, you know, would would, would be the most typical guy who maybe fits into that 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 category. Um, they could they could have figured out who it was this year. Nate McCrary gets taken from them before they have a chance to, you know, bring him up and do anything. I want to talk about another player here because this is frustrating me to an even greater degree is Tyson Williams. He's the one guy – actually, there's one on defense too. Malik Harrison did not get a defensive snap in this game. But Tyson Williams getting a DNP on this game really does not say a lot for what the Ravens are trying to do. I I, I think if – he played well enough earlier this year that there's got to be something there. I don't know what's happened in practice. I'm not there. I'm not privy to it. Obviously, he's pissing off somebody with regard to to what's going on. Maybe it's learning the playbook. Maybe it's work ethic. Maybe it's attitude. It could be a lot of things. But there is no reason on earth why you activate that guy for a game where you're so shorthanded. And you have two guys who you're giving the ball to who can't do it. You have Tyson Williams, who's a dangerous guy as a receiver. In addition to to being a you know a dangerous guy as a runner, he's got some power. He's got some shiftiness. I mean, I, I have no idea. He's the fastest back the Ravens have. I have no idea why he's not getting a chance under these circumstances.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair to point out. Um, he was a guy that you know I, I opined for, and I think most of Ravens fans and and uh, media were wondering what's going on. And I think you hit it right there that none of us know the behind the scenes mm-hmm. stuff and unless somebody's going to inform us of what's going on behind the scenes we're left sitting here like you and I with our hands up wondering what what's the deal
3: right you're so short on bodies on a game like this why not cut the guy i mean you want him for next year okay that's a good that's a good reason it's actually a positive thing to think you can rehabilitate this guy's attitude work ethic or ability to learn the playbook in an off season but if, if you're not gonna, you, you have other people you could bring up from the practice squad. There's additional bodies there that could have been that could have been used, and they wouldn't have to be running backs. I mean, the Ravens needed help everywhere for this game. They had another cornerback that they didn't bring up for for the from the practice squad for this game. I mean, you, you've got additional options. I don't see the 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 value in activating Tyson Williams for this game if you're not going to play him uh, in a game like this that is so out of hand.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, seeing, I was like, "Oh man, this, he's active. He's not. He's not on the inactive list." Like, I think this could be an opportunity. Maybe they utilize him here, and in the lack of effectiveness, just from latavius murray which which really felt demonstrated on that fourth and one though that's not completely his fault there was some missed blocks there uh but you know just the lack of effectiveness from the other guys I, I, i don't know what's going like i said i don't know what's going on behind the scenes no none of us really do and unless we are you know shown what's behind the curtain as to the issues regarding his uh lack of playing time you know it's it's just awkward for us to to wring our hands about hey this guy he he was really good in, in the limited roles we saw him on offense w- why is he not there and uh, yeah, I can't help but agree with you on uh, on that situation uh, moving along to uh, somebody else though as uh, we got to keep going um, I liked what I saw to James Prochet I gushed about him previously um, but uh, just watching him as an effective receiver and getting him reps right now and over the last you know over over the course of this season in, in you know the the pockets of where, where he's been seeing snaps and everything. This was a fun game to watch James Prochet go in and, yeah. and and grind, as as the players like to say. You know, they go in there and put in the work and, and he caught some great passes he made the most of his receptions he got some yards after the catch and and was physical when uh trying to fight for first downs and and that's what you want you want a hungry wide receiver that goes up gets the ball and isn't afraid to try and get those extra yards to to help this offense out when when they got to put points on the board they knew the circumstances of this game clearly by watching Tylen Wallace and James Roche and Mark Andrews, uh, all fight for those extra yards. It wasn't a, a lack of, of, uh, uh, meeting the challenge by the receiving group uh,
3: on Sunday. Yeah. I, I, I think we've, we've said enough about Roche and Wallace and all their contributions here that I don't need to add anything to that, but it's, it is very nice to see him get the opportunity and get the playing time. Last name I want to bring up is Sammy Watkins. Um, Played three snaps in this game. Effectively, was left out. I think it was the right strategy on multiple levels. He may not have been hundred percent coming back from the COVID list, um, he, and that is correct, right? He was back from the COVID list, not from not from some sort of injury. Or, I believe so. Okay. Yes, and I, I believe that's correct. I, I, if I'm wrong, it, it, the same comment would still apply to an injury. If he wasn't quite a hundred percent coming back from an injury or COVID, I think it's it, you know it was a good opportunity to sit him down in this game after, uh, uh, you, know, you know, having that happen and, and hopefully have him back for the Rams. And while I don't think he has a future with the Ravens, at least I don't see it, um, I think he can help the Ravens win this year. And I'd, I'd like to see that happen, certainly, for for these next two games and, and for however many more the Ravens can last in the playoffs
0: yeah uh we he's a known commodity he is mm-hmm. his value is known and what you need down the stretch here is what do you got in those other guys Devin Duvernay wasn't activated for this game he was on the he was on the inactives list and so you want to see what you got out of out of Talon Wallace James Rocher which we've spoken about but uh that's in regards to Sammy Watkins and they say you know if this guy needs a, a little bit more of a break as he comes back from COVID uh you know if he needs to heal up a little bit more as as this two game stretch goes in we can we can run our other guys that's i think that's a little bit of a testament to the ravens uh you know really trying to build up that wide receiver room it's like we don't have to hurry back sammy watkins for this game yeah that's nice When, when we can see what our value is elsewhere and they, and they did well, it wasn't like, oh man, they threw those two guys out instead of Sammy Watkins. They got like two catches for 13 yards and they didn't really do that. No, they, they, you know, James Brochet went to work and got a new season high of 76 yards and, and Tyler Wallace was effective in his limited
3: role too. It was cool. All right. Let's take let's take a moment, take a couple questions from the film study mailbag. Obviously, no MVPs after a loss. You guys know the rules on that by now. Uh, i got a couple things here. One thing from uh, Gabor Nagy at Nagy 0710. uh, Do you see any similarities to the 2015 season? Well, certainly in terms of all the injuries, (laughs) apart from the last minute heroics, this team seems not better at all. Uh, don't know if I'd agree with that. The 2015 season did was a team that looked like they had a lot of talent going into the season. They came off 2014, a big sack year. Uh, they did lose Pernell McPhee, which, which I, you know, I expected to be a big loss, but they had Doomerville and Suggs still Suggs was lost in week one. And the cascade of injuries that came after that obviously is very bad. Um, but I, I, I think with Lamar Jackson and what the Ravens have done the last two years, I think we obviously had higher expectations of what this team can do, even than the 2014 team. I
0: remember, I remember the 2015 team and, you know, I pulled up a little bit, just like the, the season stats on that a little bit and watching that beginning of the season and just how every week it was a close game that of course replicates it. But So many NFL seasons are defined by the close games. You know, everybody's – I I I loathe the commentary that's like, hey, man, a couple bounces the other way and the Ravens would be winless or they would be undefeated. It's like, yeah, that's every NFL game. It's a game that's defined by very few plays – but it's also over the course of the entire game. But, you know, it, it, that's that commentary, like, oh, man, if they don't get that fourth and 19 here, or they don't do that. Well, they did. And, mm-hmm. and, and like, that's just the way it goes. And that was a game. That was a season that was defined by it. Every single week for those first like eight weeks was this super close one score game that the Ravens just didn't, you know, make enough plays against. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they, they believe let's look at over here. They were one in six. Through their first seven, and all of those games were by a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Every single one of them was. It was this close game at the very end that they didn't come out on top of until they won a, a you know a close affair against the Pittsburgh Steelers in OT back then, twenty three twenty. I think that was the Michael Vick game, um, but that I'm not sure. Right. Yeah, I think that was the Michael Vick game. Um, I still remember – I remember watching that game and going, man, the Ravens really need a win right now in <laughs> yeah. that season. That was an entertaining season. It wasn't a fun one, but it was an entertaining one because they were in so many close games. It felt like every single one of them was within a touchdown. Uh, there wasn't – like like just like this season, every game felt like it was within uh, reason. You know, The Ravens were fighting back so much – uh, throughout the year they did did so in the colts game as we all know they right. did so in all of their winning affairs they also did so in the losing ones they're two ex, you know two two-point conversions from being very different in this season i think they'd be first in the afc if they win those two they They'd be but, 10 and five right now yeah yeah they, like that they, i can see some of the correlate you know the the comparisons to 2015 but i think that's so much of just like the nfl like it, it, it games are close and com- competitive levels are always pretty tight in the NFL, and, and this is just a microcosm of the NFL.
3: Yeah. I, 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 I like how well the Ravens are coached right now. I think they're at a, a better spot than they were coordinator-wise then. I, I take Martindale over Pease. Even though I, I'm not a Pease detractor, I'll take Martindale over Pease. And I definitely would take Roman over Tressman who I think was with the, the Ravens had in 2015. That dude just did not fit with this organization. Uh, lots of, lots of issues with him, but, but uh, you know, I think they, they, they came in, they tried to shake it up. And again, just, just didn't really mesh with, with who Flacco was and what the Ravens had in terms of talent. So uh, we'll, we'll call it there in terms of questions. We did have one more that, that was, that was kind of interesting to me. Actually, let's go ahead and do this. Um, would you take the and this is from Eric Clark at Greatness Calls? Would you take the O B or Orlando Brown Jr. trade for Huntley from the Steelers? So basically, trading, uh, you know, a a two a six and Huntley to get a one a three a four and a five is what he's he's asking specifically. That is a big load of draft picks, by the way. And Huntley is entering his third season, not his fourth, so he should have more trade value right now. I still question whether anybody really wants him that badly.
0: I would take that and run... As fast as I can in in getting that paperwork signed, I would I would be the the helicopter parent. I would be the over uh, uh, aggressive person. Like, hey, I'd be like the texting, like, hey, you get did you did you sign it yet? Hey, did you check it out? Yeah. <laughs> Calling them, sending them is like your fax machine <laughs> Yeah, yeah, come on. Like, did, did you get the fax number? Did you Just send it over. Hey, have, yeah. have you committed to this deal? Like, are, do we? Like, I'd fly there in person and be like, write it in blood because there's no way this is gonna last for enough time time yeah. to get the paperwork done getting a first of some sort even if you're trading up updraft it'd be like,
3: like a net of a mid-second that's the way to look at it and if you're not yeah. losing total picks a net of a mid-second i think is still great pay, great uh, a great return on Huntley. just because it's quarterback it's a lot
0: and, and also on top of that like if it's to like kc or something the value there like kc traded that because they were going to be like you know, a bottom end of the draft pick scale, whereas, you know, if you trade you know, up to uh, somebody that's a quarterback needed team, you get a lot more value out of that. <laughs> right.
3: I, I, I did factor that in, actually, because we knew what pick we were getting with mm-hmm. Brown when we uh, for the one we're getting for Brown. So it's, it's it's figuring out how many JJ points were were netted out there. And it was about a mid second round pick. And if if you're doing an advance and you're trading for a future first round pick, you want to gamble with the Steelers. Yeah, I go ahead and trade him Huntley for for a, a, a <laughs> deferred first year pick, and we'll see how that works out. Absolutely. <laughs> but anyway, Kyle, really appreciate having your show. Always a blast to talk football with you, and and appreciate. Uh, you're correcting me on someone with this consultant speak of yours and and, and getting me to to go back and look some things up because I want to be correct factually to the degree I can. Uh, Tell folks again where they can find your work.
0: Absolutely. First, uh, Ken, I love coming on the show. I learn something new every single time we hop on this and and talk with one another. Uh, You you and I have very different perspectives, I think, on how we look at football. And I think that's a blessing for both of us because we both get to learn something new every time. At least I do. And uh, it makes things a lot more fun when you can go in there. You can talk about what you're an expert at or what you Want to be an expert at, as I would say, and then you also learn from somebody that uh, you know has knowledge in a field that you don't have so much. So, thank you very much for having me on. I'll, I'll always be uh happy to jump on and help you out here but you can find me on twitter at kyle p barber my work is published on uh, baltimorebeatdown.com definitely go and check and read the content that we have over there at baltimorebeatdown.com and then i also write for baltimoreravens.com i do one article a week for them uh late for work which is posted uh after the games whenever they are played so if the ravens play on thursday my my column will be on friday and if they play on sunday You'll see it on Monday morning around nine to ten a.m. So definitely give those a read. I uh, do pre. I like to think I do a pretty good job on that.
3: So uh, definitely right. give it a read. It's pretty good. <laughs> game, game day plus one. Really appreciate that, Kyle. Other uh, folks out there, if you want to do a twenty-five years episode with me, hit me up. This is the last call this week for these. Uh, do a topic of narrow enough. Uh, type uh, that we can go deep in about 25 minutes, and uh, I'll get you on real quick on that. We've we've filled up all of the slots through the end of the season, so we do have content already produced. But I'm going to let it run over a little bit since people have been having a lot of fun doing these. And uh, frankly, I think they're they're a pretty cool way to record what's happened in Ravens history. I think we've we've scratched the surface. I I've been actually thinking about Kyle trying to produce a list of topics that I think we missed during this process because because there are a lot, and then just asking for people who you know who wants to do this one with me kind of thing yeah Uh, that sounds great i'd hop on with you on those too well let's let's make sure we make that happen kyle thanks again thanks again for joining us absolutely yeah thanks for having me and we'll talk to you next time on film study